You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Right now, we get to get into a Bible study. Are you ready for that? Uh, I love Christmas, don't you? Isn't it like this? It's amazing. So much, so much fun. Um, uh, you know, getting together with friends and family and exchanging gifts and uh, being with loved ones and, and you all dress up so beautifully. You look amazing. Uh, having meals together. It's just a, a great, great holiday. Um, I think Christmas is probably the most fun when you still have little kids in the house. Uh, I miss those days when little kids are in the house, but I'm just entering into the grandfather stage now, so I'm going get to get to relive it again. Uh, one of my favorite Christmases when the kids were little was when we got the kids a little puppy. And uh, that was a mish pulling that off, man. That took some doing. We had a little puppy. Uh, her name was Squeegee. Uh, <laughs> worthless little dog just a worthless a, a miniature schnauzer I want to you know I'd rather have a real dog like a golden retriever but uh but my daughter wanted a little dog so we got squeegee and uh there was little squeegee we're trying to keep it a surprise and uh, I remember waking up at five in the morning to put squeegee in her little Christmas box and there is little squeegee sleeping in the little box with the ribbon on it and my daughter and my kids boys waking up in the morning and coming down oh you know just tears in my daughter's eyes so much fun great memories and uh, I know that God loves families together showing each other love and embracing each other it's just pleasing to the Lord but tonight we get to gather to remember the real meaning of Christmas. And may I commend you, great job keeping the focus of Christmas on the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Tonight we are worshiping King Jesus, the one true living God who became a man that he might purchase our salvation and give it to us as a free gift. No wonder that as we celebrate, and how amazing to consider all across the world, billions of people celebrating his birth. One poor man from 2,000 years ago, he was God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And I want you to ponder, I want to invite you to just pause now as we enter into the study, to ponder and to worship the creator who entered in to his creation. Mind-boggling. The creator who becomes part of his creation. Mind-boggling to consider. And he did it all for the purpose of redeeming us. We've been in a series titled, So This is Christmas. And we've been looking at the real meaning of Christmas because it's easy for us to become complacent, isn't it? It's easy for us to get caught up in all the hustle and bustle and to forget the real meaning of Christmas. And good on you tonight for making Jesus the, the, the reason and the purpose of our worship and our celebration. Um, tonight, I want to invite you as we open the word, I want to invite you to look into the eyes of Jesus. To see him as he really is. To look at his face. To see his heart. To hear his words. And to let's see what, what Jesus had in mind when God became a man, when he entered into this world. Sunday, we were in Luke chapter 2. Pastor JC did a great job teaching us. And we saw that this Messiah, Emmanuel... God with us, the long-awaited Messiah that had been promised from the beginning of time, enters into creation, and he enters in at a most unusual place. He comes to where? To Bethlehem. And he's born where? In a manger? Uh, we have sanitized it. We have romanticized it. But uh, Bethlehem was a nasty little town, a dirty, podunk little town. 
And a manger was nothing more than an animal feeding trough. And here the creator becomes creation and he enters the world this way. Uh, staggering to consider. At the entrance of God becoming a man and being born as a child, we do see something that we would expect. We see a divine announcement from the angels. The whole heavenly host instructed from the beginning of time on this night. And there they are gathered and they appear and they sing out in praise, in worship of the God who became man. The thing that is strange about it though is who do these angels appear to? Shepherds. To shepherds. And I mean no disrespect, but shepherds were the lowlifes of society. They were those who were of ill repute. They were those who had a bad testimony. They were those who were scoundrels. They were those who were sinners. And God in his great plan comes and has this divine angelic introduction. And we can't do any better than shepherds. What the heck? What the heck? Uh, imagine... Uh, Apple, if you will, like Apple computers, like Apple iPhone, launching their brand new flagship 2022 product, whatever that is, the new Apple self-driving car or whatever it is they're going to come out with, I don't know. And they launch it, and there's a lot of hoopla, everybody's waiting, and they launch it at a 99-cent store in Tijuana. <laughs> You would say, hey, can't we do any better than this? And yet God, in something infinitely greater than a new product launch, God becoming a man for the purpose of saving sinners, comes into the world and he announces it to shepherds. To law-breaking, low-life shepherds. Really? Crazy plan. But so much wisdom behind it. The wisdom behind it is that God is showing that he is making himself accessible to all people. God, this wasn't a mistake. This wasn't a, a bad plan. This wasn't bad luck. Oh, there's no room in the end. This was God's plan from the beginning of time. So that he might show that he is uh, making himself accessible to all people. I um, had a unique privilege a couple of weeks ago. I got to take an extremely beautiful woman to lunch. And it wasn't my wife. Uh, because she was so beautiful, I took my wife with me. Her name? Louise. She is 108 years old. I met her a while back, uh, just in passing from a friend, and I said, Louise, I've got to get to know you. Can I take you to lunch sometime? And so we went two weeks ago. And there, as I was with Louise, I found she was a pretty wise woman, very content in life. And as we spoke with her, I realized something very quickly. She wasn't trying to impress anyone. She surely wasn't trying to impress me. Nor was she impressed by the superficial things of the world. She wasn't impressed with wealth. She wasn't impressed with power. She wasn't impressed with fame or notoriety or position or pomp and circumstance. And the whole time, uh, we just spent getting to know each other. And I realized she was pretty wise. And I guess that is the fruit of being 108 years old in a relationship with Jesus, right? She had grown wise. But my point in that is simply this. If you had lived to be, say, 2,000 years old, 
you would probably get to the point where you weren't trying to impress people anymore and you weren't trying to uh, get them to, uh, to like you or to do anything else. And then we begin to see the wisdom of God's plan of appearing and making himself accessible to all. Uh, God's plan is really profound. Uh, God came in all of his humility, not to impress us, but to heal us. Not to impress us, but to heal us. He came to cleanse us of sin. He came to show us the, the, the way to make it through this difficult world. He came to give us new life. And that is what Jesus is all about. And that is what Christmas is all about. And this Messiah, God with us, Emmanuel, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the true and living God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he made himself approachable to all. And he proved it by even uh, coming and allowing dirty, sinful, scoundrel shepherds to come and to worship him. Uh, today, I want you to know that God has gone through great lengths to make himself accessible to you. To make himself available to you. And that is really what we celebrate at Christmas. As the men pass out the Bibles, I'd like you to find your way to Mark chapter 2. Uh, an unusual place for us to look for a Christmas message, but I think we're going to find some things that are profound there. Uh, in, uh, early in Jesus' ministry, we see Jesus doing the same thing the angels did. The angels didn't come to the kings. They didn't come to the queens of the earth. They didn't come to the rich and powerful. They didn't come to the re religious echelon. They didn't come to the super spiritual who burn incense night and day. No, no, no. They came to sinners to announce that the Messiah was born. And here Jesus, here we see him, him making himself just as accessible. Mark chapter 2, are you there? Uh, read along as I read. Uh, Mark chapter 2, this is very early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, it says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was, it was heard that he was in the house. Let's break this down a little bit. And again, what does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus had been traveling all around the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is a little... Uh, uh, right on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful little spot. I have a map for you here. Uh, it's up... Uh you can see Capernaum is all the way up here, right, that red dot on the top, right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, right on the shore of Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was one of Jesus' favorite places to do ministry, and I can see why. It was a beautiful spot. Uh, there was uh, uh, just beautiful rolling hills, uh, tall grass. It's just, it's picturesque. And there uh, was Capernaum right there on the edge. And you can see Jerusalem's way down here on, on the south. It's actually 102 miles from Jerusalem to, to, uh, to Capernaum. Uh, according to Google Maps, I did this last night, uh, 34 walking hours from Jerusalem to Capernaum. And Jesus had been teaching all around the Sea of Galilee, that upper sea there, all around, completely encircling it, going to synagogue to synagogue to synagogue. And he finishes teaching there, and it says, and again, he enters Capernaum after he's been spending some time there, it says, right? And it was heard that he was in the house. In the house? What house? Well, it just so happens, chapter one of Mark's gospel tells us that that house belonged to Andrew and Peter. Andrew and Peter were brothers. That was their house. And Jesus is there in the house of Andrew and Peter. Uh, Andrew and Peter were fishermen there right on the, the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word to them. I wonder what you hear when you hear that. The place gets packed out. You can't even get in. There's people just thronging. 
and Jesus is preaching the word to them. What do you hear when you hear that? Maybe you hear, oh, preaching a sermon, not another sermon. Oh, I hope you don't hear it that way. It could be translated this way. And when Jesus saw all of them, with all of the problems that life holds, he began to speak to them words of life that give wisdom, that give insight, that give direction, that open our eyes to how to walk through the difficult things we have to go through in life. I am so thankful for God's word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And by it, fools are made wise. And by it, there is wisdom and discernment available to all who come. It is sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by it, God's servants are warned. And in walking in its teachings, there is great reward. And so Jesus there, he opens his mouth and he begins to teach them. This Christmas season, as I've been pondering on the incarnation, God becoming a man, I've been thinking about this particular verse. I've been meditating on this particular verse. Uh, uh, it's in Mark, the, uh, chapter 6, verse 34. Um, it's a parallel verse to what we're reading right now. Let me hear you read this with me in a thundering verse. Uh, excuse me, a thundering voice. Uh, Jesus, when he came out, that's out of the boat, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Very interesting. Jesus isn't just preaching sermons for preaching sermon's sake. No, 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 no. Jesus sees the people and it tells us his heart is what? Angry. No, it doesn't say that. His heart is moved with compassion. Oh, you've been divorced. Oh, you've been addicted to drugs. Oh, you're struggling with alcohol. Oh, you're struggling with your sexuality. Oh, you have an anger problem. Oh, you're given over to materialism. Oh, you're a glutton. Oh, you're just broken with grief and pain and suffering from all your failures. And now you've given up and you just want to sit on the couch and do nothing. When he saw that, he wasn't angry. He was moved with compassion. And that's encouraging to know. But he doesn't leave us there just having pity on us. He's moved with compassion and then he speaks words of life that will heal us from all of our problems and lead, guide, and direct us into all truth so that you can be the man that you want to be, the woman God has called you to be, the son, the daughter, the husband, the wife, whatever that God has called you to be. He speaks words of truth. That's what he is doing, and that's why thousands are thronging in around this house. They would speak of Jesus, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Verse 3, they came to him, excuse me, then they came to him bringing a paralytic. A paralytic who was carried by four men. Interesting. So get the picture. The house is packed out. Thousands of people can't get in. And there's this paralytic being carried by four guys what are they all hoping for those four guys and the paralytic what are they hoping for hey when you've got problems here's one thing that is really smart however you do it get to jesus the parking lot might be full. You might have to uh, sit in the back. You might have to be in the balcony. You might be in, but get to Jesus one way or the other. And that's what these guys are doing, right? Uh, they, they get to Jesus. Uh, verse four. And when they could not come in, come near him, come near to Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Uh, in those days in Jerusalem, and still to this day in Israel, uh, the houses have flat roofs. 
That's because land is so expensive and they would have like, you know, patio furniture and, and you'd have uh, get-togethers on your rooftop. And here they can't get into the house, so somehow they get this paralyzed guy up on the roof. That must have been fun to watch. And now Jesus is teaching in a room and suddenly drywall chunks start falling from the ceiling, right? As they're digging a hole, look what they do. So they had, when they had broken through... They let down the bed. That's a big hole in your roof, by the way. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. So interesting. I love some things that we see here. When Jesus saw their faith, guys, unbelievable you have gone through great lengths to get here and it pleased Jesus the Bible teaches that God has an incredible love for you and let's just say for a moment we believe the Bible uh, we're going to believe these things one thing that we know about love when you really love someone what is the one thing you want back from that person that you love love <laughs> oh. 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 the Psalms say out of the mouth of babes praise is perfected and here we see it uh, yeah you want to be loved and here Jesus, see these men going through great lengths to come to him. And the Lord says, I love that. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. God loves it when we diligently seek him. And here uh, Jesus speaks to this man and notice what he says. He says, not crippled. Not lame man, not sinner. What pronoun does he give to this man? Son. Son? He can only be his son if he was the creator of the universe. My son, your sins have been forgiven you. I don't know about you, but if I was that paralytic, I would be... A little, what? Disappointed. Uh, my sins are forgiven me. Dang. What did you, what did you say? My, I think you said, you're healed. No, no, no. He said, your sins are forgiven you. And I can imagine the disappointment. You know, here he is. He's like, oh man, I've, I've been in this my whole life. I'm paralyzed. I got this problem. Uh, uh, I don't want my sins forgiven. I want to walk. I know a lot of times we come to Jesus and we want something other than what Jesus has for us. Jesus, don't talk to me about my sins. I got some money problems. And I want to hear a sermon about getting some money. I need a girlfriend. I need a wife. I need a husband. I need a job. I need a place to stay. I need a... And we bring a lot of our needs to the Lord. And oftentimes, God wants to speak to us about something else. But here's what Jesus knows. Jesus knows that before we can, before we can walk properly, we must first have our sin dealt with. You see, if he gives us the ability to walk before he deals with our sin, do you know what's going to happen? We're going to walk right into bigger problems. Right into more trouble. Right into worse places. And so Jesus tells us, man, son, endearing love, son, your sins are forgiven you. If we could understand things as, God's, as God sees things, we'd understand there is nothing better we could ever be given. But oftentimes we're like our, our kids on Christmas. You know, you buy them a pair of shoes or a shirt and they're like, I don't want shoes. I want Hot Wheels, right? I mean, I want some. And I'm sure this man is a little disappointed. Uh, and yet Jesus knows what he's doing. Look at this. Look at verse 6. 
the scene shifts from the paralytic and now it shifts to the religious leaders. Some of the scribes, those were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Those were those who had a PhD in theology. Their whole life was devoted to studying the Bible. Uh, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Wow. They heard Jesus say, son, your sins are forgiven, and they were torqued. Oh my gosh. Who is this saying these things? Only God can forgive sin, and they're right. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, how many of you have a mortgage on your house? Show of hands. Uh, actually, forget show of hands. Stand up. How many of you have a mortgage? Stand up. Hey, it's Christmas. I got good news for you. Stand up if you have a mortgage. Don't be shy. Stand up if you have a mortgage. I'm serious. Stand up if you have a mortgage. Stay standing. No, stay standing. Stay standing. Uh, how many of you want your mortgage forgiven? Pay it off. Just forgiven. Okay. Here, stay standing. Here we go. Your mortgage is forgiven. Your mortgage is forgiven. Your mortgage is forgiven. Your mortgage. You can sit down. What is the problem with me doing that? I have no money. Not quite so blunt of an answer, Gene. I was looking for something a little nice. What is the problem with me doing that? Here's the problem. Your debt is not to me. Therefore, I cannot forgive your debt. If I was the mortgage holder and I said, your mortgage is forgiven, you could really rejoice. And these religious leaders were going, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sin because your all sin, my sin, your sin is against God. And who is this guy who thinks he can forgive sin? It's blasphemy. And so Jesus asks a question. Look at this, verse 8. Immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, they never even said anything. And what does this teach us? Jesus not only knows what I do, Jesus also knows what? What I'm thinking. As a matter of fact, God's word would tell me he's most interested in what I'm thinking, even above what I'm doing, because I can fake it on the outside, but my heart, my thinking reveals the real thing. There is nothing hidden from whom we must give an account. All things are naked and open before him. You cannot trick him. Before they even speak, he speaks to them and he asks them a question. Look what he asks. Why do you reason about these things in your heart? And the answer, because I'm confused. You just forgave sin. Only God can forgive sin. I want you to know something. When God asks a question, it is never for his benefit. It is always for yours. Hey, Dave, why are you so angry at your wife? He already knows why. The question isn't for him. The question is for who? for me to think on, right? To meditate on. And so he asks him a great question. Hey, why do you reason about these things in their hearts? And they would say, well, I'll tell you why. It's because you forgave sin. Only God can forgive sin. So he asks another question, verse 9. What is easier to say to a paralytic? Not to do. What is easier to say to a paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you? Or arise, take up your bed, and walk? There is a second great question. Let me just hear from you so you can be thinking. Which one is easier to say to a paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? Which one's easier? Far easier to say your sins are forgiven. 
But to say, take up your bed and walk, man, that's, you got you to have some power behind you, right? Uh, what's easier to say to your neighbor who's moving? Have a good day or I'll help you move, which is easier to say, right? Notice what Jesus says. Hey, got a question for you. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Well, anybody can say that. Your mortgage is paid off. Or take up your bed and walk. Uh, look at verse 11. I say to you, excuse me, uh, verse 10, uh, but that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I want you to underline the words right now, on earth. Interesting that Jesus added that. That you may know that the Son of Man, that's the Messiah, that's another name for the Messiah, it's the name for the Anointed One, it's the name for, for Jesus. The Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, he took up his bed, he's now not even just paralyzed, now he's carrying things, and he went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wow. Just incredible. That you might know that I have the power to forgive sins. Pick up your bed and walk. And the guy does. You see, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven you. But now that you might know that I have the power to do it, I'm going to change your life. Uh, awesome to see how Jesus works. By the way, I had you underline those words on earth. Uh, very insightful of Jesus. Uh, very important for staying on to. Um, there is only one place where your sin can be forgiven. And it is on earth. The Bible says that it is appointed once unto man to die, and then the judgment. And in heaven, there will be no sin forgiven. The opportunity to have sin forgiven is in this life and this life only. And if you do not choose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you do not understand what he has done for you, if you do not receive him as the authority of your life, you may stand before God and then say, oh, oh I changed my mind. I want, and it is too late. Jesus says that you might know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sin on earth during this lifetime. I'll show you. And he tells the man, rise up and walk. We see something in the story as Jesus is teaching and giving words of instruction. Here we see Jesus, he has a desire. Jesus, he heals those who are broken. This is why he came. This is what he wants to do. Jesus did not speak to these men because they were well. He was teaching them because they weren't. He was teaching them because they're ill. We have this false idea that we have to clean ourselves up to come to church. It is bogus. It is, it is, it is from the pit of hell. It is a deception. Uh, we cannot clean ourselves up. And we come into God's house messy and dirty and he speaks to us because we are. And he teaches us words and, and heals us and brings healing into our life. We are broken, all of us. And if we are simply honest with ourselves, we would be painfully aware of all of our faults and all of our failures as we are when we are really honest with ourselves. Can I tell you something? Like the man in this story, all of us, you and I, are lame. We're lame. We are broken. We are flawed. We, we, we have legs, but they don't walk properly. Our daily life, our walk is crippled and lame. Hey, I know this. I know I should be a really good husband, but instead I'm me. And you know you should be a really good wife, really good, but, but we fall short of that. 
I know what kind of father I should be. I know what kind of mother you probably want to be. I know, but I'm lame. I have legs, but they don't work properly. I walk poorly. I speak roughly. I respond selfishly. And I fall short of being good. And interestingly enough, I know what I'm supposed to be. The problem isn't merely uh, knowing what is good, knowing what is right, but it's actually doing what is right. I know what I want to be, but I fall short. I know the kind of friend I want to be, the kind of husband I want to be, the kind of pastor I want to be, but I fall short. Furthermore, I find it interesting about humanity and human behavior. Every year we put this problem on display right about this time of year. The next holiday after Christmas is what? And we all make New Year's resolutions. Hey, I wasn't the husband I wanted to be in 2021, but in 2022, baby, I'm going to be a good husband, right? Hey, I know I was a little selfish this year. I know I had a drinking problem this year. But hey, this year, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to quit being so materialistic. I'm going to be quit being such a glutton. I'm going to do sit-ups. I'm going to get a six-pack abs. I'm going to be... <laughs> and all we're saying is we know we're not what we're supposed to be. And we're painfully aware of it. It's interesting, and I know in a group this size, for some of us, uh, this concept of all of us being lame is a brand new concept. We actually think we're amazing. I didn't realize that. What's he talking about? Lame? But think about it. You've been struggling with anger your whole life. You might be lame. You've been struggling with pride and boasting and being arrogant your whole life. You might be lame. You've been struggling having meaningful relationships and really being a good friend, lover, spouse, whatever. You might be lame. The interesting thing about Jesus is that Jesus will, will not heal us until we admit that we are broken. He will not heal us until we admit that we are broken. It's interesting, that day, the lame man was healed, but the religious leaders weren't. Jesus will not heal us until we admit that we are broken. And I tell you what, it is so freeing to finally acknowledge in front of Jesus, Lord, I'm lame. I don't know how to do my life properly, and I need help. Jesus, looking on the multitudes, wasn't moved to anger. He was moved with compassion. And so he taught them. And he spoke words of wisdom into their life. This is who he is. This is what he does. Uh, the, Jesus wants to bring us to a place of health. And all we have to do is admit that we are broken. Our pride causes us to try to hide our lameness and act like it's not there. We work exceptionally hard at trying to make everyone think we're, think we're good. And so we do really crazy and bizarre things. Uh, we're in a marriage, and even though our marriage stinks, and we have no real communication, we have no real intimacy, we do really bizarre things, like we make sure our Christmas card looks really good. And oh man, you guys just look, where was that? Oh, you're dressed so good, you look so sharp, you look so happy. Yeah, you fought like cats and dogs going to get that picture taken. But you put out a nice Christmas card. Interesting. And it's crazy that we work that way. Our family is tattered. 
Our marriage is hanging on by life support, but our Christmas card looks good. And you know what's dangerous about that? Our kids watch all of that, and then they go, oh, so this is Christmas. And so this is Christianity. And it doesn't look very good, does it? So much better, instead of having all this fake stuff that is so tiring, so much better to just finally come to Jesus and say, Lord, I admit it, I'm lame and I need help. Will you teach me how to walk? Will you show me the way? The Bible calls our lameness sin. And I tell you what, we all have a boatload of it, all of us. The Bible teaches repeatedly, uh, Romans 3.23 for one, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, The literal translation is all of us are currently sinning and are currently falling short of the glory of God. Uh, We're lame. And if we just come to Jesus with our lameness, oh, it is so freeing. Uh, it just, he he brings us life and he brings us instruction and he helps us and he enables us to walk and he gets us on the right path and and he begins to build us little by little and it is so freeing. I wonder, uh, this Christmas, do you need to be healed? Do you need to be healed? Forget the kids' choir and the presents that are coming tonight or tomorrow morning. Forget all of that because it'll be the same person on Monday morning. Do you need to be healed? This is why Jesus came, to take away our sin, to take away our guilt, to take away our shame, and to give us new life. It's what he's all about. And oh, how freeing it is when he does that, when he gives us new life. We, something magical, something divine happens in our life when he takes away our sin. We find that we no longer walk around trying to impress others. For we know that we are right with our creator. But know this, Jesus will not heal us until we admit that we are broken, that we're healed. You might say, well, hey, that's that's good, that's all fine, but I don't really need that, I'm good, I don't need Jesus. I have forgiven myself of my sin through positive thinking. I have forgiven myself of my sin through meditation. I have forgiven myself because I try to do good deeds, I try to help people, I try to be a good person, Uh, I'm good. Can I tell you something? Your sin is against God. And you cannot forgive your own sin by anything you do any more than I can forgive your mortgage. It's not possible. And the good news is, is Jesus, uh, he came to the world to forgive our sins and only he can do it. He came for that very purpose. The Bible says that all who come to him, admitting they're broken, will be healed. Uh, And this is the work that he wants to do in our life. Jesus said it this way, though. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. I'm either Lord of your life or I'm not in your life. You're either with me or you're separated from me. You either have eternal life or you have eternal separation in hell. Everyone makes a decision about Jesus. And all of us will. And notice what Jesus does. I love this. Uh, and, and we'll begin to wrap it up here. Uh, Jesus says that you might know that I have the power to forgive sin. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Something divine happens when we come to him and say, Lord, we're lame. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to get over this addiction. I don't know how to get rid of my anger. Something magical happens, something divine. He says, I will enable you to do that. This lame man did not get up because he was so good at exercise. This lame man got up because Jesus enabled him to have a new life. And that's what he does for all who come to him. I want you to know this. Jesus does not... Call the equipped. He equips the called. Jesus doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. What does that mean? It means Jesus doesn't call the healthy people. He makes healthy the people he calls. Jesus doesn't call the good people. He gives the people he calls the ability to be good. 
He transforms their life. This is what he does. Don't let the enemy or your own pride conceive you of anything, excuse me, uh, deceive you of anything different that you can clean your, you can't, you can't clean yourself up. We have to come to Jesus. And Jesus calls vile sinners to come to him. Shepherds, thieves, crooks, lowlifes. And he says, hey, just come to me. Admit that you're broken. And I will forgive you of all of your sin. And then he does something divinely amazing. He empowers them to walk a new life. And I love that. It's all his doing. And I wonder, is Jesus calling you to that? Could be the best Christmas ever. The last point that I want to leave you with is this. When Jesus calls you, when Jesus saves you, your life is transformed by his power. And it is so cool. I never tire of watching it happen in people's lives, including my own. This lame man is now walking. And look at verse 12 one more time for me. Uh, it says, immediately he arose, he took up his bed, and he went out from the presence of all. And so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. You know what happens? You give, tell Jesus you're lame and you need to be healed. And he says, no problem. I will pick you up. I will make you walk. And when you do, everyone sees it and they glorify God. I was just talking with an individual uh, after last service. Uh, his life is being transformed. He's in rehab. He's given himself to Jesus. He's coming to men's ministry. He's now got a really good job. And man, this Christmas looks a lot different. Jesus has made him walk. It's amazing to see. Do you know how I know that Jesus saved me? Do you know how I know that I'm going to heaven? Do you know how I know that uh, this faith that I walk in is real? It's because he's enabled me, this lame man, to live a different life. Uh, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Uh, I remember when I got married, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. I grew up in a home where uh, I was conceived after my parents were already divorced. Figure that one out. And then my mom remarried, my, my dad was my mom's second husband. My mom remarried three more times after my dad. I had men in and out of my life like a revolving door. And I got married. And you know what? The Lord has taught this lame man how to walk. I've been married for 35 years. And I love my marriage. I love my wife. I love my family. I want you to know that wasn't me doing that. That was God doing that. He enabled me to walk in the path that he has. And he'll, there's nothing special about me. He does that for all of us. Uh, I was that lame man. And uh, Jesus transforms our life. And I'm going to ask Kyle and the team to come back up. And uh, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, uh, know this. When Jesus saves you, your life is transformed. But in order for that to happen, we have to admit that we're broken. We have to admit that we're lame. Uh, I'm going to ask you to all stand with me, if you will. As we so beautifully heard out of the mouth of babes, when you really love someone, the one thing that you want from them is love. You want to acknowledge the one that loves you and you want to say, wow, if you love me like that, I want to know you. I want to be with you. Jesus does all the work, but he asks us to do one thing. He says, I want you to take a step of faith towards me. I want you to answer the call that's on your life. If you're here tonight and you hear the Lord calling you, you know that you're lame. You know that you can't do it on your own. You don't want to enter 2022 trying to make some new resolutions. Can I tell you something? I stink at self-help. I get a big F in self-help. If Jesus didn't enable me, there was no way I could ever do it. If you want to be enabled 
by the Lord to live a new life, to walk in his power, to be the man he's called you to be, to be the woman that he's called you to be, to be the husband, the wife, the spouse, whatever, the, to live the life that God's called you to be. No, you can't do it on your own. Know this. You can't do it on your own. But if you simply come to him and say, Lord, I'm lame, he will heal you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're a believer, I want you to pray for anyone who's not a believer. And if there are any here who would like to say, Jesus, I need your healing on my life. Just raise your hand to the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm lame. God bless you. I'm lame. I need to be healed. I need the gift of eternal life. Just raise your hand to the Lord. Keep it up to the Lord. Raise your hand to the Lord. I want you to talk to the Lord. This is between you and him. It's not between anyone else. It has nothing to do with me. This is between you and God. You need to respond to him. He's calling you. If he's calling you, raise your hand to him right now. This is between you and him. I want to lead you in a prayer. Pray this from your own heart. Mean it from your own, your own uh, heart, however you want to phrase the words. All those who are lifting their hands. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for loving me enough to become a man and to live a perfect life on my behalf. And for going to a cross to take the punishment of my sins, the punishment I deserved, you took upon your own back. And you went to the cross on my behalf. And to show that you were God in the flesh, you resurrected on the third day. And now, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. Would you please heal me of my lameness? I need to be cleansed. I need to be washed. And I need to be born again to walk a new life. I give you my sin and I ask that you'd be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. Will you please enable me to walk with you? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless. Thank you.